0: All right, so uh, this week, uh, Pastor Larry Granger is out of town, but that's okay, because this week we have uh, a message from Granger 2.2. 2. <laughs> so today, um, if you j- join me in welcoming uh, Adam, he has a message for us, and uh, we'll, we'll pray for him in move on from there heavenly father we thank you for speaking to us we thank you for your word that you preserve for us and that your word that you make alive for us day by day we pray father that you'll make your word alive now through adam as he speaks to us and brings to us a message that you've given him in christ's name amen. amen did i turn this on yes i did all right well, good morning. Happy USA birthday. It's a great day. I've traveled all over this world. America's not perfect, but it's the best place I've been to. So I will say that confidently, gladly. Um, and yes, we got our faults. And yes, things are kind of crazy sometimes, but I wouldn't trade it for anyone anywhere else. And that's from experience. That's not just theory. So. Um, well, I always enjoy get coming up here, but I'm not gonna lie; it always kind of makes me a little nervous because it's a. I feel like it's in a, 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 a kind of. A, I hope I come into it with a reverent mindset and uh, understanding the enormity of standing behind this pulpit. So, with that, I like to tell jokes because it loosens me up, right? So, Larry, who's a photographer for a newspaper, was scheduled to meet a plane on the runway to take him on a job so he jumps in and says hit it to the pilot and they take off really quick they're in the air and then larry says all right now i need you to fly low over the trees so i can get a good shot i want to get some good pictures the like what do you mean and larry says listen i need to take pictures for the paper so will you please and there was a long pause before the pilot asked in a shaky voice you mean you're not my flying instructor That's what we would call a case of mistaken identity. And that's what I want to talk about today is identity. Um, I feel like a lot of problems, never never can you say all our problems are summed up into one thing, right? But I do believe a lot of our problems stem from a lack of identity or a mistaken identity, Um a lot of the ills in this society, and in the church, we already talked about the progressive church. I feel like the progressive church uh, is born out of a mentality of, you know, we don't really know God because we need to make up our own version of a God. And so then they did it. And, of course, it's not uh, an accurate version because now you, you're you pulling things from thin air. Um I think a lot, of, a lot of times too many people are told to find their own truth. I hate that phrase, by the way. Ah, that's, I don't have a lot of pet peeves, but one of them is your own truth. I hate that. Because two truths cannot contradict each other, right? If they're contradictory, then one of them isn't true. So you you really can't have your own truth. And what's even worse in that statement is finding your own truth within yourself. Because once we start looking at ourselves, man, that's that gets scary. Um and so people are trying to figure out who they are, and they look within. Well, I think a lot of us, when I first said it, must be all grown. I think that grown comes out of experience of trying to find yourself within yourself, right? Uh, people are offended way too easily. I know I, I tend to be antagonistic sometimes, so I'm kind of the wrong end of this, this side of things because I like to poke and pester. And the lady up here right in front can tell you because I pester her to the, too many times, to a lot. It's only because I love her. But I think people get offended too easily. And a lot of it's because you're on shaky ground, right? You, you, you're not confident in who you are. You're not confident in what you're doing. And so when you're not, uh, it's easy to get offended because now your, your worldview is being shaken and you don't have something to fall back on and say, well, that's not you know really true. You can't say that. And so now you're, you're getting all wound up and, and frustrated. So what I want to talk about is what is. We always talk about have your, you know, we tell people, get your identity from Christ. Get your d- identity in Christ. But well, what I want to do today is break that down, right? This is not going to be a great revelation. I'm not going to say anything today that you're going to be like, man, I've never heard that before. But what I hope is that it encourages you, strengthens you, and gets you in a mindset to say, yeah, I know who I am in Christ because of this, and this is what I'm going to do because of that, right? And so, because sometimes I think we need a refresher course, right? As, as the, the, what I like to call Pastor Dad likes to say, we leak, right? We forget. We, we, you know, we hear all these voices coming from everywhere, and so we forget for a moment who we really are. And so I, I, my prayer today is that we all walk away knowing who we are in God and what we're going to do with that, right? So for us to have that productive walk, we must start with our identity. We must look, must look at who we are in Christ. And by understanding what it means to have our identity in Christ and to actually walk that out, that's where we find true purpose, That's where we find contentment, which I think is a word we don't use enough. And it gives us the ability to truly love those around us. So that's my goal. So I'm going to pray again because I don't think you can pray too many times, right? Lord Jesus, I pray that you just replace me. I I pray that your spirit just, it's your words, not mine, and that what you want to convey gets conveyed. And so I just, I pray right now that you step in and uh, you take over and that uh, what your goal is for today is accomplished and so it's your name we pray amen um if you can turn to Ephesians 1 we're going to read verse 3 I should have told you a second again give you a second to get there this is kind of the baseline for it but I'm going to go through a ton of scriptures okay so we're going to read this one together but the rest I'm just going to kind of I don't want to say fly through because I never want to you know just run through scripture per se um but Uh, There will be a lot of scriptures, but this is kind of the beginning and kind of the, the basis, if you will. So Ephesians 1, verse 3, and if you will stand while we read this, if you can, if you can't, totally understand. No one's going to point fingers at you. Start in verse 3. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us all in wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, Being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be praised, should be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also trusted, after you heard, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. Amen. Y'all can be seated. So to know our identity in Christ, to know who we are, we got to first talk about what does God say? Because, you know, you don't know who you are unless you're told, right? So I've got a list here. And I first want to say this is not the whole list. If I did the whole list, I'd be speaking until next week. And I don't think any of us, including myself, really want that, right? So I'm hitting some highlights. But again, this is not an exhaustive list. So, you know. Please don't come in later and say, Well, you didn't say this. Well, we can't start, right, without talking about the fact that we're saved. It all begins there. Thanks to Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, you're saved from sin, death, Satan himself, your old nature, and a pattern of worldly living. Right, So you're that's gone. We respond to this by doing the works that God has prepared for us and to extend his kingdom. So Romans 10, 9 and 10. Says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. John 5:24 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Nothing starts without that. We confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. We recognize in our heart and we accept in our heart that he has died and resurrected, you're saved. You're a child of God. You're adopted into the kingdom. That's it. And nothing changes that, okay? Nothing can move that. Nothing can undo that. You can not do that. um, Undo that, excuse me. Because you didn't do anything to begin with. You surrendered. And you can't undo that, right? So recognize that you're saved. You're in the kingdom. You're part of the family. And there's no getting out. You know, after that, now we can recognize we're reconciled. Jesus has spiritually reconciled you to God and other believers. Romans five ten and 11. For if we were enemies, if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. We have been reconciled. So no more wondering, no more questioning, no more uh, trying to figure it out. It's done. You're reconciled. We have been reconciled. Even it says when we were enemies, we were reconciled. How much more are we now? Can we walk in faith and understand that we're reconciled? Because now we're on his side. We're on his team and his family. Now, here's one that people kind of squirm with, and I think it's funny. You're a saint. Congratulations. By placing your trust in Jesus Christ, you now qualify to be a saint. Uh, I think it was Bob Beeman once said, before you were saved, you were a sinner who occasionally acted like a saint. And after you accepted Jesus, you now become a saint who occasionally sinned. Uh, Ephesians 2.19 says, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. Colossians 1.11 through 13 says, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. And Romans 8, 27 says, love the Lord, all you saints. The Lord preserves the faithful. So walk in confidence that you're a saint. Doesn't mean you're perfect, right? None of us are perfect. Like I said, we occasionally sin. But you're a saint. And, you know... Sometimes when I kind of recognize that my walk comes from this to more like this, right? You, you walk in confidence because you know what? I'm a saint. I'm a son of God. I'm going to be able to speak what he wants me to speak because I've, I've been chosen by him. So recognize you're a saint, even if that, like I said, because sometimes people are like, well, I'm, you know, if you know what I did, doesn't matter. Doesn't mean keep doing that. Just means it doesn't matter. Because of all this, I think this is an easy one. You're blessed. We're blessed with the greatest blessing of all, and that's Jesus Christ. No matter what happens to the rest of our lives, we must recognize that anything else we get is extra. Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And Second Corinthians 9, 8 says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I'm reminded of when I was leading a team in Kosovo a different lifetime ago. And it was a young fella and he, he was saved. He was on the team. But he started complaining one day, about halfway through, we were there for a month, so about halfway through the trip, he started complaining. He just says, I think God owes me, you know, he, I, he, I hadn't heard from him and he owes me that. He, he owes me that. And I joke, I was telling somebody last night, I think I've gotten less tactful as I've gotten older. When I was younger, I probably would have, you know, and I was younger then, I you know I tried to explain to him in so, no uncertain terms that, man, you accepted Christ. You've gotten to the gift of salvation. That's it. Jesus came. He came on earth. He humbled himself. He became a man. Died. Separated himself from the Father. He did all of that for you. So I think that's enough. Now, that doesn't mean he stops there. That's, that's the beauty of and What's great is he continue, will continually bless us and continually shower blessings on us. But if he never does again, if he decides, all right, I'm done, he's done enough. Right. So we're blessed beyond measure from that one gift, and so everything else is extra, and so we walk in an idea and a mindset of we're blessed i am, i've been taken care of period from the get go and so everything else, like i said is, is what we like to say it 's gravy right there because of Jesus, because of our lord you 're gifted. God has given us all special abilities that he wants us to use in his, in our own personal ministry. We must take all the gifts that he gives us and us, excuse me, that he gives us and us, those gifts to the Father, his kingdom. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 1 Peter 4.10, 10.11 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. You're a gift. You're, well, you are a gift, but you're also gifted. You have a gift, every one of you, whether it be, you know, songwriter, singer, Computer coder code code with the best of them, right? I got, I know guys that code code with the best of them, right? You dig ditch, dig the best ditch and, you know, let God be glorified in your dick, ditch digging, All right. You got a gift, exercise it and let it be a, a avenue to glorify Jesus. Now, how do I glorify Jesus by di- digging a ditch? Because somebody says, man, you're really working hard. You really get into that. Why are you into that so much? Well, let me tell you why. Because Jesus empowers me. Jesus gives me strength. I am digging this ditch and praying to him at the same time. And it's giving me a mindset and give me a mentality to just focus on him. And all of a sudden, now you have a conversation going, right? Now you're talking. Now you're glorifying Jesus while you're just putting a hole in the ground. Don't ever think that whatever you're doing is less than. You're in the place that God has placed you. You're doing the thing that God has called you to do. And your gifting is there for a reason. I took a counseling course years ago. Um and we had this we had to take a temperament test. And the short of it is the way they described was temperament is not your personality. Your personality is made up of your temperament, which is what God how God created you from the beginning and your environment and life experience produces your personality. But at the root of it all is your temperament, right? How you're wired what you think, you know, what your tendencies may be, right? And so I learned really quick in that because I, you know, I some of you may be shocked by this. I was a little arrogant as a young guy, right? And I said, yeah, right. <laughs> China, and, you know, I, I used to think I had to figure like some people are just, they just don't get it. They're just, they don't, you know, they, they just need to be a better person, right? They need to change. and they, And I learned through that that we're made the way we are. No one's been made as a mistake. No one was made bad by the way God created them. Now, there's tendencies that we struggle with, and there's things we're stronger in, right? But people look at this temperament that we we learned about, and the same temperament that Hitler was is the exact same temperament that Saul was. Same exact—now, we don't know, obviously, for sure, because these guys didn't take the test— I, but, looking at everything in baseline readings, writings that they wrote and things that they believe, they looked at it and said those two guys have the same temperament. So you see what your temperament how you can be with Jesus, following Jesus and, and working for the Lord as Saul did, or you got who didn't, Hitler, right? Big difference. Same temperament, same build from the beginning. One followed Christ, changed the world for good, one didn't, is considered one of the most evil human beings in the planet, right? So, you're not made bad. You're not made wrong. You're not made incorrectly. Or, you know, what we do is we recognize, okay, this is my temperament. This is how I'm built. God, I'm, I'm short in this area. You're going to have to make up for it in this area. I'm strength. This is my gifts. This is where I'm at. Use me in this area where I'm lacking. You got to show up. All right. And so we can, we, we got to recognize that, that from the get go, That you have a gift. God's made you a certain way and a certain purpose. And so whatever that is, is right. It's not bad. It's not less than. It's not horrible. It is what God's given you to do. And so, you know, take your hands to the plow in that area, whatever it may be. That's your gifting. That's your area. That's your place where you can walk. We talked last week about go and make disciples. How do you make, how do you go? You go by going where you're called to go, which is behind your desk, right? out in the field, whatever it may be. that's where you go, and you make disciples by doing what you're called to do, exercising your gift to the best of your ability in order to have people go, man, how do you do that so often and be in such a good mood? How do you deal with that? Well, let me tell you, because that's been asked to me one time, my lady. It's been a while since they've asked me how I've been staying in a good mood. Kids will do that. No, I'm just kidding. But she did. She said, how do you stay in a good mood dealing with all these – I was a teller at a bank, and it was – Something else. And I just said, you know, I'm like, when people complain, they ain't complaining to they're complaining to me, but I ain't got nothing to do with it. I can do the best I can to help them out and you know, God takes care of the rest. Um, we recognize, moving on, that you're forgiven. Jesus pray, paid the price that God's justice has demanded for our sins and took God's wrath upon himself. Because of that, you and I are forgiven. First John one nine says, "If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just, and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness." Psalm one hundred three, eleven and twelve says, "For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us." And recognize that Psalm going with our theme today. of that's the mean old Old Testament God. Who loved us so much that he removed our transgressions as far as from the east as from the west? Now, here's something I, I read actually this morning. I, I kind of neat. We always know what that meant, right? East from the west, it did not go. But he didn't say north from the south, and it's, I think it's and it's funny because this was written before they understood the globe and everything. The north and the south can be measured. The poles, there's a measurement between those. They're absolute. North Pole, South Pole, there's 12,436.12 miles. Or if there's anybody from Europe over here, it's 20,014 kilometers. There's a measurement. So if he written out, your sensor is removed from the north, is from the south. And you're like, well, anything longer than 20,000 kilometers, you know, I, I, yeah, I got it. You know, he's that far, so I can't do something that's great. You know, like it's right there. There it is. That's the distance. But he didn't. He said he's from the West, which is more abstract. And they never, there's no distance. It's immeasurable. You can't. That way, that way, that's it. And I I won't get into all this stuff. I was reading all the dynamics because it's a globe. And because you go there, they were giving really great details as to why East doesn't meet West. And this wasn't like biblical stuff. This was just science, right? And I love it because the Bible can still, you know, speak science and be true. Don't ever let us believe that you have to believe in Truth in in the Bible or science. They go hand in hand. That's free. But I found that fascinating that you can measure north from the south. You can. There's a number, yet there's no number east to west. And that's what they chose to say. Your transgressions have been removed as far as the east is from the west, which means they'll never meet again, ever. And so you can't walk away, again, going back to what I said earlier, well, you don't know what I've done. Well, you don't know what I've done, and I'm forgiven. So if I am, you are. It's. I mean, one of the reasons i use reading all these scriptures is because I can at least say, look, this is a scripture. I'm just adding a couple of words to it. But in reality, this is what he says, not me. Lastly, and this is where I want us to tie in all this together. You're victorious. Through Jesus, we have overcome death and sin. With that, we should walk in victory. First John five, four says, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. John 16, 33 says, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace in this world. You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And I love that line because it didn't say, you know, have faith in me. Everything goes away and say, hey, you walk with me. Everything's, you know, everything's perfect. You'll have no trouble. He didn't say stop enduring life. It says. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. That's when you can in the confidence of the Lord and walking in the identity of who I am in Christ I can put my hands to the plow and I can go forward. People could throw stuff at me and hit me with stuff and I can still eyes on the forward going. You know, when I lift weights, when I exercise, I find a mark on the wall somewhere and I focus on it. And then I when I'm doing whatever, especially if it's the heart of the lift is, the more I focus on that dot or whatever it is, because I'm trying to, you know, put my mind towards what's there and keep all distractions out and keep me from failing. And that's what he's saying here is that, you know, when your eyes are on him, and your hands are to the plow, the distractions, the external things, they're there, and they may hit you and knock you sideways a little bit, but it doesn't make you stop. It doesn't make you go, what's going on? Because your eyes are on him, and you're confident in what you're doing because you know he's put you there. You know that you're gifted in what you're doing. You know that you've been blessed. You know that you're forgiven, so you don't have to look backwards to see what you've done. You don't have to do these things. You can keep your head forward and your head up high instead of walking like this, staring at the ground. You're up like this, and you're walking towards what God's called you to do with a purpose and an excitement. And you know what you're doing. You're confident in what you're doing. Why? Because I know who I am. I know what God said. I know what God's called me to do. I know what God has has me to do. And so, you know, I think it's Luke. He talked about when they reject you, don't worry, they're not. They're rejecting me. And when they reject me, they're rejecting him who sent me. So when you know that you're doing what God's called you to do, even if they reject you, even if you say, hey, look, this, this Jesus guy, he, he has changed my life. You want to hear it? And they're like, no, that's stupid. That's dumb. He, he ain't even real. You may be able to have a conversation, but in that moment, don't think, well, shoot, they think I'm dumb now. They, they are rejecting me. No, they're not. Walk in confidence knowing that God's called you to walk this out and to speak to them. And if they don't hear it, that, that's fine. It's not your job to save them anyway. It's your job to tell them who Jesus is, and it's on them to decide. And it's on Jesus to save them. So don't think that I've got to do this. If I don't, i failed. You only fail if you sit down and be quiet. If you're in a stalemate with the enemy, you've lost. You're either progressing forward, extending the kingdom, or you're going backwards. I don't mean to be harsh or mean, but that's just the truth. Um, And we can't let fear, we can't let doubt uh, we can't let self-doubt keep us from being able to speak. Now, I, I, I'm gonna back up a second. I don't mean necessarily that we should always, in every conversation, hitting somebody over the head with a Bible. But, for you, because for you to be able to speak to someone in their life, first they gotta think that you care about them. They gotta think that you love them, you gotta think that they, you want, they need to think that you want the best for them. And that only comes through daily relationship, daily conversation, daily communication. And when that is happening and they come to you say, man, I, you know, I'm struggling with this. That's when you have the opportunity to speak, speak the truth. And every one of you have a testimony. I was here and I hated who I was and Jesus brought me here. And now I like who I am. That's your testimony. Your testimony fills in the blank from there to here, right? That's it. So don't think you don't have anything to say. Don't think that you have nothing to offer because we're all here because Jesus did something in our lives. And because of that, you have a story. You have a word. You have something that will change somebody's life. I think Jim Newsom, who's speaking Friday night, talked about you have someone's lunch. They're hungry for something and you've got the lunch. And somebody else has your lunch. You're hungry for something and they got yours, right? And so recognize that you may have somebody's lunch. You may have what they need in that moment. And it's not some necessarily profound you know, revelation of word or truth is just what they needed to hear in that moment. And so be, be, be ready. Look for it. Be confident. Recognize that God's called you to do this because you're a child of God. I put in a notes, we've got to take this to the streets. And that's what I'm describing right now. This is taking it to the streets, right? Taking it outside of these walls. In football terms, this is the huddle. Right, we're in a huddle. We're, we're figuring out the play. We're getting ready. We're all getting on the same page, and then we break. We head out. We go outside these walls and we go and do what God's called us to do. We go and accomplish what God's called us to accomplish in all our, of our different areas in our different ways. Right? Some of us are feet. Some of us are hands. Some of us are loud mouths. But we all called to do something, right? And so that's what we're doing. We're huddling now. We're getting our, our everything together, and now we're about to head on out. Got to take this to the streets. We got to let people know. This is who God's called me to be. This is who I am in Christ. And this is why I can walk and not be offended by every little thing that happens out there. Right? I'm not saying don't be offended necessarily. And I'm not saying that offense is in and of itself bad. But I think too many times people get offended over things that are minor. Walking in confidence to the Lord means we can fulfill the calling of God has on us with no hesitation. Because we recognize it's him doing it anyways. It's him doing it through us. So it's not me who is doing it. I get to partake, as as Kevin mentioned. I get to be a part, but it's him who's doing it. I just get to play my part, and you get to play your part, and you play your part. But it's him doing the work. But where it's a you know he. I, I mean I, I, I did a message years ago, and I talked about the dry bones. You know God told him to to speak you know life to the bones and have them raised up. Now could God have just done it? Sure. He could have just been like, all right, go ahead and get up dry bones. But he had, he he allowed his prophet to partake because he wants to do it with us, right? He wants us to be, part. that's the whole point. He wants us to be a part of what he's doing, but it's him that's doing it. And so when we recognize that, then we, the pressure comes off. It's like, you know, I have to get this done. No, just go and walk in where God's called you to walk and he'll get it done. He'll use you. He'll, he'll speak. Um, he may even take over. I, I, I've told this from here before. I, I led a guy to Christ and I, to this day, don't know what I said. The Holy Spirit literally took over, spoke. God walked away, uh, believing in Jesus. And I remember walking down the road after we left, and Claire, my sister-in-law now, said, That's the most you know, powerful thing I've ever heard you say. And I'm like, That's awesome. Can you tell me what I said? <laughs> you know, I, like I said, t- and I, I won't get re- rehashed all that, but yeah, I, I, I walked away from it. having no idea what I said. I literally could say that day, It wasn't me. <laughs> I did nothing. I was there. I was a vessel. And so don't put so much on yourself to think you've got to do it all. The Holy Spirit will take over. I walked in this morning with no idea what I was going to talk about. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, One of my kids did ask me. He told me doing notes. He said, why are you doing that for? I said, well, I got to, you know, the Lord gives me direction. I put it on paper. I pray. We talk. He goes, well, I thought you just walked up there and just kind of said whatever you thought. (laughs) No. But the Holy Spirit will take over, and I say that from experience, not from theory. So don't think that you have to have all the words and all, you know, everything. He will take over. we got to be able to talk about our identity. You know, I I used that example earlier. There was a guy I was friends with, and he was agnostic, and he kind of was, you know, lightly making fun of me and, and the fact that I have a faith and I believe. And he says, well, what, what is the core of it? Why do you believe in Jesus? I said, well, I saw who I was without him, and I saw who I was with him, and I liked the guy better with him than the guy that was without him. I, I can't simplify it more than that. This guy walking with him was a much better person, much better husband, and the guy without him was not. And so I thought, well, if I walk with him, I like who I am. If I don't, I didn't like that guy. That was it. And he he had nothing but, okay, yeah, okay. I didn't, you know, nothing changed that day. He didn't change his faith. He didn't, but I think I sowed a seed there to let him know, this is why I do I, You know, this is why I walk with him. Nothing profound. I didn't pull out 400 scriptures like I did today. I just said, that's it. And he couldn't even argue. I mentioned this. I'll say it again. Let us not think that this means we have no trouble. It means we can walk through it. It doesn't mean everything's, Easy. It means that we can make it, and that we know we can make it. You don't sit there and wring your hands and go, "Well, how am I going to make it through this struggle? How am I going to do this? What is going to happen?" Concerns one thing, worries another. Concern has your attention. Concern has you focused and looking at what you can do and what needs to be done. Worry means that there's a piece of you that believes God's not enough, and so. We can walk when we know who we are in Christ and we know who who Jesus called us to be. Then we know he's going to take care of it. Yes, we all get to a place where like, man, I don't know what's going to happen. And it's one thing to say, I don't know what's going to happen. But it's another to say, I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't know if it's going to work out well. We got to walk in, in an understanding that Jesus is going to do what he wants. God's going to do what he has to do to make things happen the way he wants them to happen. And we gotta walk in confidence that that's gonna be. It may not be the way we think it's gonna be. I can tell you how many times I had my plan set in place and I knew exactly where I need to be and how it's gonna work out, and then it went the other way. Because God had a different plan. Um But worked out his way. You know, Aaron and I tried to have kids for years. I had to come to a place where I understood that I I had to be okay with God if we didn't have kids. And then we had kids. To the point I was like, you know, God, I'm good. And I got somebody else's kids. And uh, (laughs) we adopted our last one. That's a terrible statement. I love him to death. He's a Granger through and through, but God kept blessing us, kept blessing us. And, but it started with me saying, you know what, God, I'm good whether you do or not. Right. I recognize, but we look back and are like, you know, we had kids when we tried to have kids. I don't think it had been so good. You know, the timing worked out for us exactly the way it should have. And so I wouldn't change it the way it happened for anything. So have confidence in understanding that God's going to accomplish what he wants. He wants to use you. He's called you. You're an heir in his kingdom. You're a child of God. You're blessed. You're gifted. And you're part of this game. You're part of the winning team. You're part. You're victorious. Walk in victory. Walk with your head held high. Walk with your eyes focused on what God's called you to do. And know that at the end of the day, you've played your part. You've done what God's called you to do, whatever that may be. And that there's no reason to sit there and wonder. There's no reason to sit there and try to make up a new God in the name of progressivism. There's no reason to go and try to figure out what God really thinks of you and why does he, you know, I'm just this and I'm just that. Understand. Everything I've said applies to every single person that's breathing in this room. And every single person watching if you've accepted Lord Jesus Christ as your savior if you've recognized that he died on the cross for you and that he's come back to life and that you've accepted that you're victorious you're on the winning team you're there and so now we should want to share that with as many people as we can as often as we can because how much love is there or how much hate is it that you don't want to how much you know how bad would that be We're like man this is great but I ain't telling you about it We should want to be able to describe and we can do that because our confidence in Christ, right? Our, Our understanding of what he says about us and that we want to share with others what he says about them. So walk away. I hope you can walk away from today, be able to walk with your head held high, your eyes on the prize, and know who God's called you to be. Know what he says about you and know what he wants you to do. That may take some redirection. That may take some changes for some. That may mean, hey, I'm doing I'm exactly where I need to be. I'm going to keep doing it, right? But whatever the case may be, walk in knowing who you are, who God says you are, and what you're able to accomplish. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for today. I thank you for who you say we are, not who we think we are. I thank you for your love for us, that you're willing to, to sacrifice your life. Lord Jesus, and I just thank you that you're willing to step out there and and use us. That you're willing to let us be a part of what you're called to do. And so let us do that in confidence, let us do that uh, in a manner that's victorious, let us do that in a way that we recognize you are the one doing it all and we're we're just happily part of what you're doing. I pray that we can uh, have opportunity this week. I pray that everybody that's listening to this right now will seek an opportunity this week to share who you are in some manner and that we'll, we'll see the opportunity and be able to act upon that. Uh, I just pray that you just give us a chance. Let us speak your goodness. Let us glorify you. Cause at the end of all this, who we are in you is to turn around and glorify you is to praise you is to lift you up and is to bless you is to make you the one that we point to in all the things that we're able to accomplish and all the things we're able to do is just so that we can turn around and glorify you and to praise you and to recognize you as the one who's done it all. So we thank you, we bless you, and I just, again, I pray that you just give us all opportunity this week. And so next week we can come back to our huddle and brag about the things you've done. So we thank you, we glorify you, and we praise you, and it's in your name we come together. Amen.